0: morning. Again, I just want to welcome you again to refuge this morning. Um, we're going to continue our look into what Jesus uh, or who Jesus says he is uh, when he's making these I am statements. And um, it's interesting to hear what people have to say about Jesus, because there are a lot of perspectives and and a lot of versions of Jesus. So it might do us some, some good to uh, hear what Jesus has to say about himself. In fact, this claim he's going to make, and will be in John's Gospel, chapter ten. Uh, this claim he's going to make. In fact, um, the religious people and the Jews will they, they give him uh, two identities. He's either crazy, insane, right, or or he's just um, has a demon inside of him. So there, those are your two options this morning, and then there's the third option. He is who he says he is, that he is God. And that assertion is going to lead these people to assume he's demon possessed or he needs to be locked up. Okay? So that's where we're going this morning, all right? So, John chapter 10, great way to um, introduce Jesus to you. Um, so, this claim is going to be laced with a lot of Old Testament um, scripture. So, I'll be reading a lot of Old Testament scripture also to help us out. But I'm going to start in John's Gospel, chapter 10, uh, verse 11. In case you're wondering, I read out of the ESV, it's the English Standard Version. Um, just in case anyone's been wondering, that's the version I go to. So, John chapter 10, verse 11. And it says this I am the Good Shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd does, uh, who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. Sounds like a fairy tale book almost, you know like big scary big wolf is coming. And he flees, the hired hand that is, because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But here's the claim again, verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are Not of this fold, I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so that there will be one flock, one shepherd. And for this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it up from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up. This charge I have received from My father. So, sheep and shepherds is quite the theme Uh, in the Bible. In fact, this was a pretty big deal in the Mediterranean world, especially the ancient Near East. Um, Something that we really don't can we really can't identify with uh, when it comes to sheep and shepherds. Um, If you think of like cars, cars are everywhere now. Surely surely you cannot eat a car, nor can you ride a sheep. But if you just think about this in this view of sheep, were everywhere, right? Just like you see going down the road. You cannot unsee a car. They're they're absolutely everywhere, just as in this time, in this particular era of time, sheep are everywhere, right? Um, and, And sheep are, and shepherds were common themes in the Old Testament, uh, you had Isaac, um, you had Jacob, you had Joseph and his brother. If y'all don't stop texting me, I'm going to throw my watch in somebody right now. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jacob, Joseph and his brothers, and David and his brothers. I know who you are. Okay. All these jokers, they had sheep. Sheep was, in this time, in biblical times, was for many a reasons, right? They would have sheep for a source of nourishment. Unless you were poor, you really didn't get to eat sheep. But for the rich, in fact, uh, if you, you go back uh, and research King Solomon, it was said that uh, he would have up to 100 sheep and 100 goats for dinner every night. There's the spread on the table. What are we having? What we had last night, sheep and goat, Right? But this was kind of reserved for rich people. And so sheep were um, a source of nourishment. Sheep were also, if you know your Old Testament, um, according to Levitical law, a way of sacrificing, right? So sheep were used, and thank God we're not under the Levitical law anymore because they would slice their necks, the blood would flow. They would offer this up as an atonement uh, for their sins. And so families would do this together, and they would take the sheep, the young, the, the, the newborn sheep or the firstborn sheep and they would offer it up as a sacrifice. Sheep were also, their bones and their horns were also used to uh, as writing utensils. And so there's so many uses for sheep and it draws us back to when Jesus says that I am the shepherd. These guys knew exactly What he was talking about. It would be like in our modern time, Jesus saying, I am the kindergarten teacher. Like you automatically have an idea. Oh, okay, I know exactly who he's talking about. Not only is he saying that I am the shepherd, but he's lacing this in terms of Old Testament Yahweh language. The shepherd, I am. It's that same I am statement that God uses when he reveals to Moses who he is to the Israelite to tell them, I am, right? And so here we have Jesus asserting this claim that I am this shepherd. Now, my mind, and particularly these Jewish people's minds there in the religious establishment in their mind, they probably would have thought of, uh, I don't know, maybe Psalm 23 that we read. Jesus is saying that I am the shepherd. Maybe their mind went Psalm 23 that says that who is the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he leads me to green pastures, right? Or maybe they thought of some other Old Testament uh, scriptures or some prophecies that they thought in Micah 2.12. I will surely assemble all of you, O Jacob. I will gather the remnant of Israel. I will set them together like sheep in a fold, like a flock in its pasture, a noisy multitude of men. He who opens the breach goes out before them. They break through and pass the gate. Going out by it, their king passes on before them. The Lord is at their head. Or maybe they thought of Ezekiel chapter 34, which is a fascinating chapter. I'd encourage you to go read it on your own time. When he says that, and I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, listen to this, by the ravines, And in all the inhabited places of the country, I will feed them with good pastures. And on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land. And on rich pasture, they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I will be the shepherd of my sheep. The prophet is talking about Yahweh. Jesus comes into the scene and he says, y'all know that shepherd y'all been talking about for so long? Y'all know Yahweh, the shepherd? Jesus comes in here and he throws this grenade to the Jewish establishment and he says, I'm the guy. I'm the shepherd. Which is interesting because I thought Jesus was also the lamb. You, you go back to John chapter one, when, when John the Baptist sees Jesus coming on, on, from like a crowd of people and what does Jesus or what does John the Baptist call him? There's the lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. So how can Jesus be both lamb and shepherd? Well, Revelation chapter seven, the very last chapter, John says that, and there will be a lamb in the throne and he will be their shepherd that leads them and he will wipe away every tear from their eye. Jesus is both the lamb and Jesus is the shepherd. That shepherd that had been talked about for so many years, that shepherd that had been talked about from the prophets Ezekiel, from, from Psalm 23, from Micah, and from so many other sources in the Old Testament, Jesus steps into their realm and he says, I am that shepherd. I am Yahweh, I am the one y'all been reading and listening about for thousands of years. I'm here. I'm here to lead you. So there's three elements about Jesus, the shepherd that he talks about uh, in this that we'll just kind of go through um, real quick. Notice what he says in verse 14, that what the shepherd does, or maybe a characteristic rather of the good shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. And watch this. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. One of the most interesting thing um, about shepherds, and let let me just kind of lay my cards on the table. I've never been a shepherd. I only read about it, right? I know I look like the guy who would lead sheep around. Let's just kind of Talk that through for a second, but I'm not, and maybe you do, maybe you know a little bit more than me, but this is just what I've read about ancient shepherds, okay? So I do not know if these guys still do this or not, all right? But one of the most interesting things about shepherds in the ancient world is they would gather their sheep in sheepfolds. And if they were in a communal area or where there were multiple sheep, they would gather them at night, and each shepherd would have their own flock in the same sheepfold. Right? And, 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 and so morning comes, okay? And the sheep calls or he whistles and every one of his sheep hears his voice and they follow their own shepherd. How do they do this? There's multiple communal flocks going on with multiple shepherds, but each sheep knows which guy to follow because they know their shepherd, and their shepherd knows them. The shepherd knows them in such a way that should really just kind of give us some encouragement this morning. The shepherd, he even names the sheep. The shepherd, um, if he knows that they're a little begrudging or if they're a little, you know the type. They're a little rough around the edges. They're a pain in the butt, okay, okay? I'm not talking about your spouse. I'm talking about just those sheep that really just drive you crazy. The shepherd knows them and he knows, I gotta poke that guy. I just gotta pry him just a little bit so he gets back into the fold. He knows the sheep who also are the weak and they're, they're the timid and they're, they're the fearful. And so he knows that he's gonna be gentle and, and lead them well. He knows them. Again, I've never been a shepherd of sheep, But I I feel like I can identify with this because I have children, right? I know my children, like I love them dearly. I know that I have to treat them a little differently because different things work for my three different children. I know that I can raise these brows as high as to the heavens, and that works for some of them that they know they better straighten up because daddy's brows are raised. I know that for my youngest, that does nothing for him. In fact, what it does for him is it makes him raise his brows to me. He's like, I look like you now, don't I? And I'm like, restrain yourself, right? Like we all know our children in different areas. Different things work for our children. Likewise, the shepherd knows, dear, dear Christian, that each one of us are different and he knows you. Friends, listen to this encouragement. Jesus Christ, he knows you. He knows everything about you. Now, For some of you, that sounds absolutely terrifying, right? It does. So, you know, he knows that part of me. Yeah, and he still calls you his own. He knows the deepest, darkest parts of who you are that nobody else knows, yet the good shepherd still calls you his own. Don't run from that, right? When somebody knows our deep, dark secrets, like we just wanna hide in the dark. But our shepherd knows us. Jesus knows you and he is the light and the light comes to expose who you really are. And that's good news because he does not want you to stay in that realm. Jesus Christ, he knows you. This is the omnipotence of, of God displayed through Jesus. is just a fancy word of all-knowing, right? Or omniscient, right? Uh, Of God, he is all-knowing. He knows everything about you. This is displayed when Jesus Christ comes into the scene and he sees Philip and he tells Philip, he's like, hey, I know you. Uh, You've been over to that fig tree the whole time. Philip's like, who, how do you know me? Because he knows. And he knows you. You are his sheep. He knows you. The good shepherd knows his sheep. Let me just take you back to Ezekiel 34. In verse 16, it says that the Lord is the great shepherd, and I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. This is an all-knowing shepherd that knows his sheep that have been talked about for years. Another thing that he does for us as the shepherd is that he protects his sheep. This one's a bit interesting in verse 15, like part B, when he says, I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, in in average cases, if you were to think about this, um, you would think like, wait a minute, if the shepherd dies, then the sheep are in, aren't they in trouble? Right? There's no one there to lead them. There's no one there to guide them. So what do we do? It's it's a little different because Jesus kind of flips things upside down in our worldview because Jesus sees this as him laying himself down to die in actuality to preserve and to protect the sheep. It's not so much that Jesus is like, hey, sheep, there's a heel. I'm going to go jump off of it. Y'all be like me. That's not what he's doing. Jesus understands that the big bad wolf out there, he allows that wolf to kill him, and he does so so that he can save their life from the wolf. That's how he protects us. That he laid down his life for us in order that we could be protected from the darkness and from the enemy of our souls out there. This is no accidental death that Jesus talks about. And this is not Jesus saying, I'm a martyr. No, this is in the Greek. He says, I myself laid down my life of myself. I myself laid down my life of myself. Jesus is doing it from his own will, from his own act in order to protect us and redeem us from the darkness. He knew that our life required his death and our death requires his life. Jesus is our protector. Now, I love this image here because also when you think of uh, uh, this image of sheep, what they would do at night is they would kind of lead them into safeguards where there were rock had been built up and the shepherd would lead them in that area. And maybe they would like put some kind of sharp objects around so that no sheep could leave, but also so that no enemy could come in. And this is the same imagery that we have for us as what the good shepherd has done for you. He has built safeguards and a fort around you so that no one could come in and attack you why because he is the good shepherd and he protects not only does he protect but he also provides for his sheep if you look at verse 16 later on in that verse it says so there will be one flock one shepherd and so now there's this image of just one flock how is that happening because the good shepherd provides for them. But also, this is an imagery of back to Psalm 23 that we read earlier in context. The context is that the Lord is our shepherd. And the final statement of that passage in Psalm 23 begins with, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of my life. Surely, I like that. It's a guarantee for us. It's a guarantee of God's provision as the good shepherd that every single morning you wake up and what's there? Goodness and his mercy. We try to lead kind of away from the flock. Who comes to get you back into the fold? God's goodness and his mercy. This is the provision of God for us. And maybe it's not giving you what you want, but he's giving you exactly what you need. Like listen to this, like all throughout this, this one central uh, section of scripture, Jesus begins this with feeding 5,000, to up to her, 12,000 people on what? on a lush green pasture. He has led them in green pastures of His provision. This is what Christ, the good shepherd, does for us. He causes us to come into these green pastures where surely, and good, surely goodness and mercy will follow us and be there all the days of our life. So let me just ask a few things about this passage. So we have this image of the shepherd, Right? And a shepherd does, he has some pretty good responsibilities. One of those is that he leads a flock. So let me ask you this question, because this is something that I kind of just brought up in my mind as I was reading this. Like, what am I following, right? And I would just kind of venture to say, like, you're all following a shepherd of some kind. Maybe it's the good shepherd, but maybe it's one of those hired hand shepherds. Yeah, we ain't talked about those yet. Those hired hand shepherds that, that'll present to you that they're one of you. They'll present to you that they are good and that they're, they're, a, they're a leader. We're gonna provide for you. We're going to protect you. But what happened in this story when the wolf came? Where'd the hired hand go? Yeah, he was out. He was gone, y'all. That's what following a faux shepherd does. It looks good, like, yeah, I think, I think that's right. Sounds right, looks good. I think this actually may be the key to satisfaction in all of my life. Here's fulfillment, but what happens? The moment something goes bad, that hired hand is gone. So what are you following this morning? And what does following the good shepherd look like? That's a good question too. I think it takes commitment from the sheep. It takes commitment from us. Now that's a, oh, that's kind of a lost term in our, um, our society because we are kind of like the money back guarantee generation, right? Like, man, this really ain't going like I thought it would be, I'm out. Like, Wait a minute. Jesus isn't going to bring me success and health and wealth. Ah, I'm done with this. Speaking of hard hands, right? Wait a minute. Jesus isn't going to provide me and give me what I want. Oh, I'm done. That's kind of the generation that we are that we all find ourselves in. Like, think about that in relational terms. When when things don't go well. Man, we're just out. We, like, we don't even give it time. Like, we don't even give it like, like a chance anymore. But following Jesus, following Yahweh takes commitment. It also means that we have to be obedient to Christ, obedient to his word, and not just like pick a few things that you want to be obedient to, And nor is it like begrudging obedience. Y'all know what I'm talking about when I say begrudging obedience? Like when you tell your child, go clean your room, and they're just like... <laughs> I mean, it's like demon possession, right? It's like, what is wrong with you? I didn't perform an exorcism. I just simply asked for you to just go clean your disgusting, trash-filled, nasty room where I feel like I need an injection of penicillin each time I go in and out of your stupid room. I just asked you to clean it. I don't know how this turned into a therapy session, but it just did. (laughs) Like, don't we do that with God in like the way of his word? Oh, I got to obey God. Ah! I have to actually do what he tells me to do in his word. That's begrudging submission. Now, God has called us to humbly lead or humbly follow him and humbly obey his word. That's what following The good shepherd looks like. And again, I just wanna go back to this idea. Some of you are following a shepherd and some of you are obeying the way of a hired hand shepherd and that's not the way that God has for you. It's also a call to change. So following the shepherd is a call to change. It's not a call for you to be your best self. It's not a call for you to be a better version of yourself. It's not even really for you, a call for you to be good. It's, it's a call for you to be new. He didn't come to make us good people, or you know, a my best life now, right? He comes so that you could be a new person, a new creation. That's what change looks like. It's not a better version of you, or a fixed version of yourself. So many times we, we think that's what we need. We just need to better improve. We need to go to the self-help aisle at the bookstore if you still do that kind of thing. and Or you maybe just kind of go through Amazon and look for like, how can I do this? Like five key steps. God ain't interested in that. I mean, surely he wants you to be a good person, right? I mean, he doesn't want you to be a turd. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> but he came so that you could be new. That's the way of the shepherd. And it's a call for you to be a new creation. And this other thought I had from this, because if we're thinking in context of the shepherd, and we look through all uh, these scriptures that are laced throughout the Old Testament, particularly in Psalm 23, my other question is, are we resting in him? This is the idea of rest, by the way, This is the idea that Christ presents to them. I will lead you. I'll lead you into green pastures. I'll lead you into safety. I'll lead you into the sheepfold where nothing can take you out of my hands because he later on says that in this chapter. That's what the shepherd does. And so are we resting in that? Rest is... Kind of a, an interesting, also another interesting um, thing in our, our culture. And we've done a series on rest and we found that, you know, we rest less now than we have ever before. And there's many things to attribute to that. But as Christians, do we rest in this promise that Jesus Christ, our good shepherd, is leading you into safety, into provision like, are we resting in that? There is a um, three different ways that we rest, and these are just real quick how the dictionary defines rest. It's kind of interesting. Um, rest is ceasing from action or motion. So you just stop what you're doing. You you stop laboring, and you just you chill. That's, that's a rest that Christ has led us into. So you're not uh, laboring for the acceptance of Christ. You're not laboring for God to look down on you one day and say, finally, you get it, you're good. You're not laboring, you're not working for the good shepherd to say, you are just a good sheep. Congratulations. I, no. In fact, the shepherd would say, hey, you're resting. That's where I want you. The dictionary also defines rest as to be free from whatever worries or uh, whatever disturbs you. So Jesus attacks this idea of anxiety. It's nothing new. It's been around for thousands of years, actually. And Jesus wants us to rest and to lay aside our burdens and just rest in him. This isn't a life that's going to be ever free from anxiety because it's always going to be there, but it's a life knowing that if I rest in him, the anxiety is no more. Like I don't have to worry about these things. Another idea of rest is that the dictionary defines it as to lie down, to be settled, or just to be fixed. Like, Like no more shifting around. This isn't man's idea right? Oh, Webster didn't think this of themselves and say, I think we'll define it. No, God's already defined rest. In fact, if you think back in Genesis chapter one, there's an interesting thing, and so many of us will miss this if we're not careful, when God does his order of creation. In Genesis chapter one, in verse three, it says, and God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the day was good, and God separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And check this out, y'all. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. So when did the day begin? Some of you CBI students, you better answer this. The evening. Why? Because that's where rest starts. That's where your day begins, when you rest. Rest. This audience that Moses writes the book of Genesis to a people who have been enslaved their whole life, they don't know what rest is. We don't know what rest is, but our day begins with rest. This is why it's so important. And I just go back to the question I asked, like, are you resting in Christ? I mean, rest was the theme since Genesis chapter one. And here we are living this restless life Following after the hired shepherd, the hired hands. When the call and the invitation is from the good shepherd, he says, listen, you follow me. I ain't going nowhere, y'all. I'll protect you. I'll lead you. I'll provide for you in such a way. And I'll lead you into a life filled with rest. Why would we want to follow after someone or some idea or something different? than what is being presented here. That the offer on the table for you and I is to rest knowing that the good shepherd is there leading us, guiding us, protecting us, providing for us. Jesus comes into the scene here. He had just said that I'm the door. And then he just keeps going after him. And he says, not only am I the door, but I'm this shepherd And they think, oh, my gosh, this guy's crazy or demon-possessed. The shepherd right in front of them, they miss. The difference, I do not want you to be like these guys who think Jesus is just some crazy moron or some demon-possessed guy. But Jesus says, the Yahweh, the shepherd I am, the shepherd Yahweh, like he's saying this to them, and they don't get it. So may we have eyes to see and ears to hear the word of the Lord this morning. Let me pray for you.